Good morning. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. Sunday morning, January 27th, 2019. And the temperature here in the Indianapolis area is very, very cold. And today we're going to try to uh, get everybody uh, awake here sun on Sunday morning. Uh, and um, we have a special guest for you. And I just want to remind everybody that if you haven't signed up um, for the iTunes podcast to subscribe, uh, please do so. Um, and we now have an iTunes uh, podcast program uh, with Tom's World Language Cafe. It gives us a little more exposure and uh, actually a lot more exposure, and we're very happy about that. Um, today our guest is Guero Loco. Guero Loco, how are you? Uh, muy bien. How are you doing, Mr. Austin? Hombre, muy bien. Eh? Uh, con mucho frío. <laughs> so, oh, muchísimo. Yeah, muchísimo. Eh? Uh, so everything good there? Aguero's somewhere around Indianapolis on the wet, far west side, right? Uh, yeah, on the west side like normal. Um, uh, out here just kind of aguantando el frío, trying to put up with the cold and just make it through till, till spring. So, Aha. Uh -huh. Well, anyway... Uh, Guero, thank you for being with us today. Uh, we're very uh, pleased and honored to have you on our program. And for the listeners, um, if you don't know about Guero, uh, Guero Loco, um, and we uh, simply call him Guero, uh, here in the Indianapolis area, he's going to give you a little bio update, um, uh, some of the, the important times in his life. And uh, Guero, can you tell the listeners a little bit about um your bio and, and, and where, where you started, et cetera? Uh, yeah, um, because really uh, I haven't always had the mentality of understanding the importance of learning other languages. Um, in high school, I didn't really, couldn't quite see it. I had this awesome teacher um, that, uh, that really motivated me that goes by the name of Mr. Tom Alsop, and I appreciate that, sir, so thank you very much. Um, really uh, you're very me kind. And, thank you. And, and through the through the easier stuff, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is all right, you know, the present tense and, and those types of things. Uh, but then as the language started to get more difficult, um, and us not having a huge population of Latinos or um, or really reasons that I could see as a 16 year old of why I should learn this language, how is it ever going to help it help me out in my life? I just once it started to get more difficult and I lost the motivation, I just kind of kind of quit after I left your class. Um, and, uh, and it had kind of disastrous effects. I tell people I, I literally failed Spanish in high school, um, and, and begged the teacher. She was gracious enough to, to give me a P for passing instead of an F. And then after that, I joined the Marine Corps. And once I joined the Marine Corps, they had me take a series of tests and they said, Hey, you know, you, uh, you actually have a, um, you actually seems like you have the ability to be able to learn other languages. And I was like, Oh, Wow. Because when I joined the Marines, I was like, yeah, you know, I want to drive tanks, I want to blow stuff up. You know, I had that type of mentality as a young man. And they said, you know, and they sold me on the job. They're like, yeah, it's going to be all like James Bond and this and that. And <laughs> it wasn't anything like that. But uh, but it still got me excited and motivated about learning languages. They sent me to the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California, where I was able to pick up the same language that I failed in high school. I was able to pick it up in six months. Um, through their super intensive course out at DLI in Monterey, California. Um, the Marines really, me joining the Marines really just changed my life. I'd always wanted to be a Marine since I was young. 
Um, and But I had no idea of just how much it was actually going to change my life and put my life on, on a different course. Uh, I came home back to Indianapolis. Uh, after getting out of the Marines, I missed my friends. I, I went through a lot of depression and, and some dark times, and, and I just uh, really uh, had to had to refocus. And thankfully, I ended up getting a job at, a, at a, our first local Spanish radio station here in Indianapolis. And from there, started out in sales and then quickly found out that I had a, a, a real love for being on the radio and uh, ended up with a, uh, a five-hour Latin hip-hop show, Spanish hip-hop, reggaeton show, uh, way back in like 2001, before, you know, before everything was really popular when it comes to reggaeton and some of the Spanish hip-hop. Started that with my best friend, one of the first Latinos that, that I met out here, Victor. Herrera, and, uh, and we started the show, and then from there, my um, my popularity and my new lease on life, I guess, um, started to started to grow. I started to meet new people, and and the Mexican and the Latino communities here in Indianapolis really accepted me and took me under their wing and kind of pulled me out of, like I said, that dark spot that I was in. They pulled me out of that, and and they gave me a little bit of a of a new lease on life, and it was able to see where where I I, I could be somebody again. Um, in, in life. So I'm very, very, very thankful, thankful for that. Um, after that, I started rapping uh, um, because rapping was one of my passions, even in the Marines. And I had a few friends uh, come to me and say, you know, uh, you, maybe you should slip in some Spanish here and there. And so I said, okay, cool. So, you know, I'm, I'm telling people, yeah, I'm going to try to slip in some Spanish into my music and my raps and and some of them laughed at me, you know, and they're like, what are you doing? You know, and from both sides, you know, from people that knew Spanish and people that didn't know Spanish, they were confused as to why I would do that. And, and I was just really trying to show love. I liked the idea. And uh, um, a friend of mine, uh, Marvin from Honduras, he came to me. He was, he was really working with me to, um, to, to teach me how to do that. And then one day he just sits me down and he says, well, he said, he said, you know, I hear what people are saying. Um, and I know your personality. I know your heart. I know, um, I know where you're at. And he said, and he just told me flat out, he said, no more English. He said, from now on, you rap hundred percent in Spanish. He said, and you're going to prove those, those doubters and those haters uh, wrong. And, uh, and thankfully I had a friend that was a true friend. It wasn't a, a friend of me. Like I tell the students, you know, someone who pretends to be a friend, one that actually could be your enemy. Um, I had a, a real true friend and he, uh, he stuck his neck out for me and, and, uh, and put in the time to be able to help me out uh, to rap 100% Spanish. And, and thankfully he did because then that just took me all over the place to California. I signed with a management company um, out there, one of the top management companies um, that was signing artists with, with Univision and Formal Visa. Even if my Spanish wasn't at that level, they still saw the, the potential in a gringo cantando en español. Um, and after that, I came back home to Indianapolis and just kind of continued um, continued what, what I was doing, what I was doing out here. And for many, many years, many years, um, I was just kind of trudging away, chasing the, the rap dream, as I call it, like many of us rappers, we're trying to find the way, what's the secret formula for success. And, and, uh, and many times we end up following other people's formulas instead of embracing our own or finding our own way. And, uh, and thankfully, once again, I, I met up with that awesome teacher from high school I was working at a, at a dual language, in a dual language program in Indianapolis um, in Lawrence Township at Belzer Middle School. I was working there with, uh, with ESL kids, and it really changed my perspective of the importance of education, the importance of having educators with a heart, 
or educators that are willing to fight for their students. And uh, and then I, like I said, reconnected with with you, Mr. Awesome, and and you said, hey, you know, why don't you do this on a bigger level? You know, why don't you take your your music? Why don't you combine it with the education and and go out and go to schools, you know, all over Indiana? And then you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't know. We we probably talked about it, but you know, I definitely wasn't prepared for the acceptance on a national level that eventually came. And, uh, and I'm really glad that I made this decision with my music because it's felt so much better than anything else that, that, that I did or that I was trying to do, even winning five Chicago Music Awards and International Music Award, um, all of those things really. And, and I'm very, very humbled and, and appreciative that I was able to have those opportunities. But all of those things pale in comparison just to going and doing one school presentation and uh, the power that I feel from that. And when I say power, I mean it, it that I feel empowered. Those, those students, when they react to my music, when they react to, to my story and my message, when they react, that empowers me to, to want to do better and to, to try to be a better human being yeah, and that, at that, the same time. Yes, and that um, what, what you did with the kids and continue to do with the students is... Uh, to- totally impressive, and uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, the value of rap music, for example, uh, with students and how it keeps them maybe more positive and connected to learning? Uh, yeah, and I mean, you said a couple of words that, that probably many of our listeners don't normally associate together, which is rap and positive, um, and even learning, um, because uh, historically, hip-hop and rap doesn't have the most positive connotations, and there's a reason for that as well. But, um, but it really students like the music. The music has has a different type of rhythm. It's not um, just being sung, even though there's there's many forms of hip hop and rap where where singing is is part of it. Um, but hip hop just connects with our youth on a deeper level. It's been doing that since since uh, the generations of of the '80s and '90s, and even before. But but mainstream since the 80s and 90s and, and, and through today. And honestly, kids are hungry for the positivity. That's why I switched gears with my music before I started doing education. It was about bringing positive messages through, through my music. And, the, and not only the kids, but the adults, we need that as well. Because if you turn on the radio, the majority of what you listen to, whether it's hip hop, whether it's the country stations, whether it's rock, uh, when you turn on the radio and you listen to it, there are a lot of, um, of dark and sometimes negative messages, a lot of hypersexualization that are happening in all forms of music at, at this time. And this is what the kids are listening when they when they turn on the radio. So I think there's a little bit or a big bit of a uh, of a desert when it comes to positive music and music that really lifts us up and makes us feel better. And that, that should be the normal. That shouldn't be the um, that shouldn't be the uh, that. that extra that comes along with music like that should be the standard that should, that should be the normal part of music being positive and, and sending out good messages because music has an amazing amazing power over us, power over us think about you know how many times whether you're a teacher or a student and you're you're driving into work or you're on the bus and you hear that song and then that song would get stuck in your head for you know half the day even if you like the song or not and that's just the amazing power of music, and I believe that that we can use it to educate and to motivate our the next generations and our current generations to to be better people and treat each other better. Now, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your new role uh, as a writer for Dual Language, uh, in, in, which includes, of course, 
the, the, the use of music uh, to teach and motivate students. Can you tell them a little bit about that? Uh, yes, I'm a um, music and arts feature writer um, for uh, duallanguageschools.org. Duallanguageschools.org um, started out as a resource for, um, for dual language educators to be able to, and parents to be able to see where the dual language schools were in their area. And then the dual language schools they were able to submit um, where they were at, and then people could just go to that website and be able to see um, not only where the dual language schools were, but also the different programs um, that were offered, whether it's Spanish or Chinese or French or, or, or another language um, w within that realm. And then they've also um, really opened it up to now um, to what I believe is headed towards them creating their own magazine. And uh, they, they asked me to, um, to be one of the contributors, and I jumped at the opportunity. And now, like I said, I handle the uh, music and arts, talking about the importance of their role in the classroom um, and also um, other social aspects that are, that are important to me, to me as well. I've got the freedom to be able to, um, to make submissions for, and, for and those. So and, I, I love writing, so it's right. very and, cool to have and, this. And you, you have already written uh, several articles for them, right? Um, I have. I'm actually on my second article for them right uh -huh. now. They interviewed me uh, a couple times, um, but I'm on my second article. The first one was kind of the intro. Um, this one is that, that I'm currently about to submit in the next couple of days um, relates to um, the importance of using music with our um, with our kids that have less means um, and, and whether you want to call it the inner city or the um, the, the poor schools or whatever label you, you want to put on it, just how can we use music to be able to, uh, to turn, turn it into an equitable environment for, for our kids. And so that's kind of what I'm, uh, or that is what I'm, what I'm writing right now. And I'll be submitting, uh, in the, in the next couple of days. Um, and, uh, but I've also written, I've written, um, stories about deported veterans as well. Writing was something that's that's very liter literacy and writing is extremely important to me because uh, when I was a kid it helped me to to go into another world it helped me to transport myself no matter what was going on in my life in that moment if I had a book or if I had a pen in my hand then I could transport myself out of that plane of where I was um, and whatever was stressing me stressing me out and so now to be able to return to writing um I, I, I feel great about it. Like I said, I've written stories about deported veterans and, and other issues as well um, that, that, affect, um, that affect humans. Now, uh, the, uh, if, if uh, any listeners out there are interested in, in uh, purchasing a, a couple of uh, beautiful DVDs that Guero has done, uh, one of them is called Wrapping the Verbos, uh, and another one is called uh, Wrapping the Alfabeto in Espanol. And uh, those two things are available at Carlex Company. I think it's on uh, carlexonline.com if anybody would like to purchase any of those, um, those particular um, uh, videos. And they're beautiful videos that you can use with your students. Um, now, c can you tell the audi uh, audience a little bit about your next uh, travel trip? I think you said you were going to be in Idaho, right? Yeah, um, I've been... Living in, in uh, as a lot of people know, I've been living in California um, up until about a year and a half ago. Uh, two years ago, I was living in California for quite a few years. Moved back out here to Indiana, and um, and still 
Uh, I'm still touring, so I, I can't do it quite as much because I have other responsibilities. But when I find little pockets of time that I'm able to get away, I definitely seize the opportunity to, to do that. Um, before I was on the road pretty much, you know, 20 weeks, 25, 30 weeks out, out of the year, I was just going on the road constantly. And, um, and right now, um, it's a lot less than that. But it's also, um, I also make it count. And so I get to go to Idaho. I've been to almost every state in the United States, um, minus Idaho and, and Alaska and a few others. Um, so once I go to Idaho, I think I'll have five states left. And uh, but but I'm really excited about making the um, making the trip out to Idaho. It's going to be for a, a summit at the Boise uh, Boise High School, and it's called Brave Together: Finding Common Ground. And and to, when is that? When is that going to be? Uh, that's going to be in March. Okay. So I, I'll be I'll be heading out um, in March for the Brave Together Finding Common Ground Summit. I connected with the teachers at La Cosecha, which is in New Mexico. They came down for the La Cosecha Dual Language International Conference, and uh, and I was able to connect with them. And then they said, "Hey, you know, we really love what you do, but you know, we got to have the, the students have to vote on who their keynote is going to be." And I said, "Okay, cool." So I submitted my information, and then. They came back and they say, "Hey, the students picked you. Um, you know, let's let's start getting things set up." And yeah, you're and pretty. I, yeah, I know you're pretty popular out there. That's wonderful. That, that's super good. That's uh, and it's a testimony to how well you communicate with the students. You know, and the the value of rapping and and music, and as you do so well with the kids. Um, what about the um, importance of travel? Now you talk. You were talking about you'd been to many of the states and you've been that down to Mexico and, and, uh, and you were in Cuba, et cetera, et cetera. It, why do you think, think it's so important that students and teachers travel? Well, I think that, that it takes us out of our box. You know, a lot of times we get, we get stuck in our own little world and we think that that's, uh, and it's easy to begin to think that that's, that's how everything is. Um, so going to another state and especially to another country, you're able to get a fresh perspective on the world and on life and, and, uh, and just uh, take parts of those and, and putting those into your own toolbox to be able to help you, um, help you navigate life in, in a different way and think differently than the other people that have only stayed in, in, their, st in their state or their town. I mean, it blows my mind. I know people that have never left Indiana. And that, that just absolutely blows my mind because the, uh, their perspective is really a lot more limited, unfortunately, to um, someone who's only been in Indiana and, and, and never went, went anywhere else. And, and so traveling is absolutely one of the most, um, the greatest things that you can do, um, not only to be able to get, get a little break and to be able to feel a lot better um, getting that break, but also to, to learn about other people and, and kind of find yourself. A, a little bit as well. Um, every time I've went to Mexico, I've been treated absolutely, absolutely great. Um, every single time. Uh, El Salvador was the same way. Uh, Cuba, absolutely, it was the same way in Cuba as well. So any time I've traveled internationally, even Canada, I've been to Canada too, but anytime I've traveled internationally, the, the people have really treated me kindly and treated me great and, um, and really set a good example for me of how I want to treat others when they, when they come to our country as well. Now, the, the importance of being bilingual, why is it important to study another language and become bilingual and, 
and, and for cultural tolerance, perhaps. The kids learn, I think, a lot when they study language, not just the language, but about how to accept other races of people. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it has so many other effects than just uh, just learning the language and being able to communicate in that language because through communication comes understanding. Um, you know, we, we all know that, that that's the key to being able to, to build strong relationships, to be able to connect with others is actually how we communicate uh, with each other. And when we know um, the same language or even bits and pieces of a language and we're able to, to use different ways, whether it's, you know, using the hand sometimes and, and, uh, and kind of the, the look of the eyes, but, but verbal communication is so important to the human race. And uh, when we're able to do that, it just really helps us to be able to get a greater understanding. And, and one of the, the big things is, is fear. You know, uh, racism exists because of fear. Um, more than, I would venture to say more than anything else because fear breeds hate and, um, and hate breeds other things. But it really comes down to fear of the unknown. And when you learn language, when you meet somebody, um, that may speak that language or maybe from a different area that you had prejudged and you meet that person and you realize that they're not anything like how you prejudge, maybe a little bitty small percentage, but, but the, the rest of it is completely different than what you prejudged. Then that is actually a defining moment for the individual. They're able to realize, Oh wow, I was wrong. And once you can realize that you're wrong about things, then you can realize that you're wrong about a lot of things. And, <laughs> and it, if you can really embrace that and in a different way <clears throat> than, than a negative way, but if you can embrace being wrong in a positive way, then that means that you have, have a whole world open up to you to be able to learn about, to be able to get out and, and, and see and change your perspectives and change your, your stereotypes. So, I mean, I think learning languages is one of the most important and crucial ways to do that. In Europe, Asia, Africa, Latin America, kids are learning three to four languages before they're ever out of high school. And so not only are they able to communicate with each other to, to build stronger relationships personally, but also on the, on the worldwide market level, you know, this, this uh, globalization that, that we've already passed the point of no return on, um, they are able to do business with each other. They're able to, to build bonds with each other because of, of the language learning and being able to connect. Now we talk quite often, uh, when we were talking, uh, you and I about the immigration situation uh, in the United States and uh, and also around the world in many cases. Um, is there uh, room for more immigration in the United States? Uh, can we accept more people? Uh, or and it's, it's have, has a lot of this uh, immigration problem been blown out of proportion? Um, in our country. I, I was just curious of your thoughts on it. I know you uh, uh, deal with, the, with this a lot and uh, even in your work now, I suppose, right? Uh, you know, somewhat. Uh, and uh, so what do you think about that, the immigration? It's, uh, I, I know myself, I think that, uh, that we, the thing has been really uh, overblown, perhaps politically and more than anything, and uh, uh, I always like to err on the side of uh, humanity, uh, perhaps, and thinking that uh, 
uh, with this great country of ours can always handle more people. Uh, and, uh, you know, the kindness goes a lot farther than violence and things. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, what, what about that? Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, um, first off, I just want to say that I'm very thankful to the United States who welcomed my, my German and my Irish ancestors um, who were fleeing death and poverty. And at the same time, in the 1800s, people were saying we don't have enough room for them. Um, they, they were saying that we, we can't accept more people. We're not going to be, be able to, to handle it. How are we, how are we going to be able to do it? Well, what they did was that the, the immigrants that came uh, back then and today, they've caused this expansion in the United States, and they, they've caused new ideas to come in here, uh, new forms of work ethic uh, to come in order to be able to achieve those, those, those ideas. Um, I think that right now we're actually, immigration is at, is at like there's more people going to Mexico than coming from Mexico currently. Um, and if we want our, our economy to be able to keep expanding and be able to compete, um, compete with the rest of the world, especially if we're, um, you know, right now, currently, um, we're taking a lot of isolationist uh, measures. So we're isolating ourselves from, um, from many of our allies and also from other people who, who may not historically been our allies, but we were beginning to, um, to find some common ground and, and beginning to work with. And, and so, so if we are going to now decrease our population size, then we're going to decrease our tax base um, and, and decrease the amount of ideas and businesses that are going to be coming in, into our country. I know, I know dreamers, um, as they're called, the kids that were raised here, I know kids that that didn't feel welcome here, that that felt like they were going to be deported, um, that that had been brought here at a very young age, that went through our entire school system, and and so these kids, they decided to find other places where they could go, and so I know a, a lot of dreamers that are bilingual, English and Spanish, that are working in China right now, teaching English and Spanish, because in China it's not just about learning English, as I found out. Spanish is also one of the main languages. That they're trying that they're trying to learn, um, and so the, you know there's those uh, effects as well of you know when we're running out you know awesome people uh, from from our country people that that have been here that have been contributing um, that have been paying in, into the system through multiple different ways, um, and then and and then all of a sudden now they're going and they're becoming a benefit for for a country somewhere else. And uh, another thing I'd like to add um, as someone who is um, for the mostly proud of, of uh, being from, from this country. Um, I, I would like to add that uh, that this, this country allows us so many opportunities and there are so many people here that, that, that could care less. And that's their right. That's completely their right as an American citizen to care less about this country and to care less about, you know, um, where things go from here and to only worry about what they can control within their moments and within their lives and, and their spheres. Um, but with so many people that could care less about this country, I think it's really the time for us to embrace folks that want to be here, that, that really see the value of, that, that this country offers to, um, to many people. And I mean, the biggest thing that this country offers is, is opportunity, opportunity to, to really make your, make your idea you know, happen to, to have the, um, the connection to resources, um, to be, to be able to, to make that happen. And I think that that well, is well said, that, yes. that we're lacking. 
very, very, yeah, very well said, Guerrero. Excelente. That was just very well said. The, uh, all of your thoughts on immigration and the country be excellent. Um, the um, can you tell the listeners? This is rather interesting. That you ended up, you came back to Indianapolis and in, in, in Indiana, and you've kind of embarked on another uh, career move, uh, which is good, right? Great. And uh, prior to that, the one you're doing now and your your job and uh, with Kevin, right, is you, you you have that going, and then and you're working on uh, more education, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, taking courses. And what about this um, school board that you tried to win the school board election, which was phenomenal? I mean, that was uh, it was I enjoyed every minute of you and your efforts that you made. It was beautiful and. Uh, a great, uh, and you did beautifully in, in, in your first ever election, uh, trying to win a political election in the school board of where you uh, actually studied in the district where you studied in high school, middle school, elementary school, that you ended up uh, running for a, the school board as a, a member of the school board for the school district. And you did not win, but you came very close and you got lots of lots of votes for the first time. And uh, I know people have encouraged you to run again, uh, and this time being more well-known, likely you'd have a good chance to win. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about that experience, the election, and you know, being a political candidate of sorts? Well, well first off, Mr. Austin, you've probably heard me say, <clears throat> and many people that know me at least a dozen times, that I'm never running for anything. You know, um, and, yes. But it, got, it really got to a point where where I would always use the middle caveat, except, you know, if there was an opportunity for me to run for a school board where I knew I could make a difference. Um, and so because I also realized that school boards are really the, one of the most important and most powerful political positions that, that someone can possess in the United States, uh, because what you're doing is is you are setting the tone, you are setting the, um, the requirements, you are, you are setting the, the culture um, that the kids are going to, to go through learning that they are going to take with them for the rest of, of their lives. Right now, our, our, so my hat's off to, to all of our teachers, educators, and administrators that are putting in the work day in and day out to, um, to really look after and take care of the next generations that are really going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, that are really going to be left with a lot of responsibility uh, when we look at it, whether it's, it's climate change, um, whether it's the direction of our country, whether it's finding ways of, of coming together and ending a lot of the, the madness and the hatred that we have, you know, neighbor versus neighbor at, at this point it seems sometimes. Um, the, the school boards are really responsible for, for setting that tone and, and changing lives. And, uh, uh, and that's how we do it. We do it through, through our education system. Um, that's how we, we are able to, to teach our kids um, to become better. And that's where we have, uh, for the most part, we've got their full attention or, or we can find ways of getting their full attention um, within, within that realm. And so I ran for school board. Um, I was motivated by another um, person that I grew up with when, when I saw him do it and the amount of good that he was able to do um, there on the Wayne Township School Board. And um, and I said, you know what? Let me uh, let me try. You know, let me let me see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen because you know, uh, out of 
there were eight of us running for four positions. So there were four positions open. There were eight of us running. And I was, as far as where the local, I was pretty well known. But as far as Steve Stiegelbeier, um, my, my birth name, I was only known by the people I went to school with out here. And many of them have moved out of the, out of the district. And so I was the least known candidate name-wise name uh, when we started out. And uh, it, it was a it was a heck of a heck of an experience. My favorite part was being able to connect with all of the different people. Um, you know, every single taqueria and and uh, the African restaurants and and, uh, um, and and other places. Every single one of them had my uh, had my sign out in front, and so that was really cool. And and also being able to see the people that had my back during this, the people that talked to their friends that that asked their friends to support me, even if if those particular people didn't live in the district. Um, being able to feel that push that people wanted me to win on election day. You know, I had people standing out there all day. Um, I, I had some veteran friends that came out at um, Professor uh, uh, Dr. Douglas Tompkins came out, um, former professor at John Jay. He came out and he was out there with me all day at my family. Um, and it was a very, very cool experience. Um, unfortunately, uh, we didn't win, um, but I took fifth. Out of those four spots that were open, I took the first runner up. I got somewhere close to 5,000 votes, which was actually absolutely crazy to me because I'm like, where did all these people come from? But I just I just really keep, keep it real and keep it honest about where I come from, what I'm about, and how important it is for us to come together, whether you know whether it's, it's based on race, whether it's based right, on language, right. whether it's based on religious beliefs, you know, that, that we come together and we find that common ground to be able to, to look out for each other. Now, what about the uh, your present uh, job? You're doing some a little work in immigration law, right? Uh, well, our firm does immigration law. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I work on, uh, uh, oh, more so, I work on the, the criminal defense um, the side of the law. But as, uh, as my boss, Kevin Munoz, attorney Kevin Munoz, as he calls it, uh, immigration, because a lot of the times what happens on the criminal side um, can have, major, major impacts and effects on the immigration side. And so we, we really do our best to be able to, to minimize any of those impacts um, on the criminal side. So that way it makes it a lot easier for, for our, um, our immigration team uh, late, later on when, when folks are going, going through that process. But, I mean, it's just it's been very eye-opening because, you know, those little infractions and misdemeanors that a lot of us wouldn't, you know, be that concerned about or, you know, we're like, Okay, I gotta pay, or I gotta do this, or you know something simple. You know how much of a disastrous effect that those types of things can have on the lives of our immigrants, um, and that's whether someone's here undocumented or or if someone's here here on a visa. I'm not an attorney, so I'm not giving any type of legal advice. I gotta say that first off, um, but but at the same time, it's very interesting to see how those two worlds work together, and and how our firm under um, Kevin Munoz. Uh, Angela Joseph and Emma Mayhern, how they're able to um, to make that work for the best benefit for our clients. Uh, for the listeners, Kevin, uh, I had uh, the pleasure of having Guetero in class, and I also had Kevin in class when he was in high school, and uh, another another outstanding human being, great student, uh, and uh, just uh, has done a great job with what he's doing to help people, as Guero's done, and we're very proud of them. Because uh, you never know, uh, you know, teachers out there, the influence that you have on the students and your and things. And, and I certainly would have never uh, thought Guero would have 
done the rapping, perhaps, although I always knew he was incredibly talented in Spanish. And, uh, I, but I wouldn't have guessed that, nor would I have guessed that he would be a candidate for the school board, <laughs> and he did. And uh, in some of the wonderful the concerts that he puts on the, for the schools and the kids, uh, just great, great things that uh, you're able to do that. And Kevin as well, helping the immigrants and things. Uh, so uh, just great. It makes the, you feel really proud of you guys out there doing this great uh, humanitarian work, you know, which we, we need yeah. more people like that. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Mr. Austin. And, and that's just one thing I want to add about, about Kevin and about what I'm doing right now is I chose to get into to law. Um, I chose to get into it after I had a good friend that tried to do it the quote unquote the right way that was married to a person that worked with us, married to, to Angela Starr, who did a lot of our publicist work. Um, and and he ended up trying to do it the right way and then denied re-entry into the United States, had to go to a country he didn't know, um, just felt completely, you know, just just out of it, didn't know. You know, he went to Monterey, but he hadn't uh-huh. been there for right. 19 years. Um, and that's what really made me want to focus on the law and helping others and not just be out here, you know, running my mouth about my opinions. Um, I wanted to, to, to learn the law. Um, Kevin gave me this opportunity to, to come and, and work for his firm. Um, and I just want, want folks to know how important are the times that we're living in right now for me to, to divert away, divert my attention away from, from what I love to do, what I'm great at, what I'm, you know, have a lot of different, um, uh, have a lot of different um, fans and respect in, in, in my field of educational music and bilingual educational music to, to move over to the, to the law field to really in, embrace this. Um, it was important for me to do this as a human being, but I also would not have just went and worked for any attorney just to do it. The, the amount of love and compassion that, um, that attorney Munoz shows, um, to, to our clients, um, to our sit, to our legal system and the innovative ways that he, the, the, the innovative things that he and the other attorneys come up with to be able to help our, our clients is, yes. is nothing, nothing short of amazing. Yes. And, it is. It really I, I'm sure. Yes. It was their perspective that put me that put me where I'm at right now. Now, or I, I just wanted to throw this out too. Uh, I think I'm, maybe I'm not right on this. I believe you mentioned that you were perhaps interested in, eventually in going to law school, right? That is, you know, we're taking things step by step. Right. Is if I had a long term goal, um, that would probably be it. Um, I went back to school. Um, I had a whole bunch of college credits without a degree for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back to school to get my degrees. Um, this this May, I should be getting my uh, my legal studies uh, degree from uh, Ivy Tech. And then after that, then I will be headed to IUPUI where I've got two semesters. Um, until I have my bachelor's. Uh, from there, I'm going to uh, to see how things go. See if if my heart is really still still in this with the with the law, and I'm pretty sure it will be, um, just because of how how my mindset is. But um, but I really want to see where I'm at during that time, and then I'm going to apply to law school, take the LSAT, apply to law school, and see where things where things take me, yes. and if it makes sense. Because I'm a little bit older, so. If it makes sense um, for me to do it, then I then I definitely well, will. Well, and in in, in in many ways, that's an advantage, though. You know, at this point, it's a great advantage, and because your perspective and and on life and things is a lot uh, more worked out now than it than it is, you know, than it can be when people are young, you know. 
And oh, so, yeah. you know, you've had your great, you've had some great experiences too, and all that helps uh, with what you're trying to do. Now, I'm just going to throw this out too. I'm hoping that we can get Kevin on the show, right? Yeah, we're um, we are definitely hoping um, to to make that happen. We we will make it happen because I I spoke with him the other day about it, and he was like, yeah. So um, so I'll kind of for for I'll talk to him yes. soon about uh, when the best schedule is for him, and then uh, we'll set it up to where you guys will be able to, yeah. to chit chat because I mean he's just. He's just a great individual, and, and just to hear his perspective, it's so fresh yes, on so many, I'm sure so many it different, is. Yes. so many different areas. Yeah, we would love to have him on the show. Um, now, the uh, the last thing I was going to ask you about is through your travels. What's been one of the funniest experiences you've had while you've been traveling? Oh man, let me <laughs> tell you. Uh, well, there's quite a few because I put my foot in my uh, mouth a few times right. when I was saying saying something, but. But uh, let's one pick, of the most let's recent, pick the top two. Okay, one one of the most recent was um, was when we were in Cuba. Okay, uh, uh-huh. so I went out I went out to Cuba the very first day that uh, that we were allowed to go to Cuba, uh, but you know more freely. I was on that first flight and uh, first day, JetBlue, and we get there to um, get there to the island. I was super excited and we had a blast. We went to three different cities. Um, uh-huh. Uh, we went to uh, Santa Clara. We went to um, Santa Clara. We went to uh, La Habana, and then we also went to Trinidad. Both very unique and uh, from the others, um, and it was a really, really cool experience to be able to go to go out there. The Cuban people treated us great. So on our last night, we we we, we misplanned. Both me and my friend from the military, we both misplanned. Um, you know, we're we're out of money. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we got just enough money to make sure we have for that taxi to get us to to the to the uh, the airport. And you know, in Cuba, you know, it's very difficult to get money um, if if you don't have the cash. Right. Um, especially in those times. And and so we we end up having a, this uh, this Afro Cuban guy come up and start talking to us. And at first, you know, me and my radar, you know, I'm always like like wondering, okay, am I is somebody trying to hustle me? And that could be here in Indiana or anywhere. Uh, that's just kind of how my mentality is. But then we started talking with the guy. The guy seemed really cool and uh, sharing some stories and other things with us. And and then he said, um, he said, oh, he said, let's go visit my friend. She sells, uh, que vende rositas. She sells rositas. And so I'm like, oh, rositas. Okay. So like, you know, in my head immediately, I'm thinking, okay, this must be like a little flower shop or something like that. And and uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's cool. Let's go and we'll, we'll hang out a little bit. And uh, And so we get there. And it wasn't selling rosita like like little flowers. She was selling popcorn. And so in that moment, I learned that in Cuba, the word for popcorn isn't palomitas like it like it is in um, in in Mexico and in many other countries in Latin America. That it was rositas. And so I thought that was interesting because I had this whole idea that we're about to walk into this flower shop and then we get there and there's a whole bunch of popcorn. Uh, uh, that's but that, good. Yeah. that ended up being one of the coolest experiences in Cuba, just hanging out with the Afro-Cubanos over yes. there. Uh, they were very kind. They were sharing, you know, what, whatever they had, they were sharing with us. And um, and th- so that was a very, very uh, neat experience and also, you know, kind of funny because I had one idea of, of what was going to happen and then it turned out to be something else. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, the, if for the listeners uh, out there, if you've never visited Cuba, 
you need to visit and put it on your bucket list uh, and visit it. It's a wonderful country and great, great people, very kind people, and uh, it will break every stereotype that you've ever thought of about Cuba when you visit there. So take time to do it because uh, hopefully it's going to be opened up further uh, in the coming years, next two or three years, uh, so there'll be more opportunities to visit, but it's worth visiting. Um, so, okay. Well, listen, Guero, it was great to have you on the show, and you haven't been on for a while, so I'm glad we got, got you on the show. And uh, well, welcome back, and uh, you're welcome on the show anytime you want. Just let us know, and uh, you know, when you want to be on the show. Um, we have um, coming up in the near future, hopefully, we're going to have Kevin Munoz, uh, uh, immigration attorney. And uh, in the near future as well, we're going to have Tony Legrado, who teaches Spanish at a large uh, high school in, near in Indianapolis called Lawrence Central. And then after that, we're going to have his wife, Luisa, on the show. Luisa is a candidate uh, for the Central States Conference Teacher of the, uh, the Year. And we're going to have her on, and hopefully it's going to be after she wins the award. So we can chat about all her experiences uh, that she's going to have in Columbus, Ohio. And for you people who are language buffs, uh, the Central States Conference for the Teaching Foreign Languages in Columbus, Ohio, it's coming up mid-March, around the 14th of March. So uh, don't miss that if you, if you get a chance. Guero, thank you so much. Have a great day, and uh, we'll be in touch, okay? Gracias, Mr. Austin. Thank you bueno, so much. Bueno, gracias a ti, hombre. Que pases gracias. un día fabuloso. Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you, listeners, for uh, listening to the show. Sign up, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll be talking to you soon. Have a great day.